0: The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the US. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the US. Experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com.
1: Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Philip Wolfe, editor of the PQB News and Vancouver Island Daily. Two longtime Gridiron coaches, a father and son duo, have just released a book about the growth of football in Parksville. It's called It Takes a Posse. Here to chat about that, we welcome Joe and Chris Martino. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks
2: Thanks for for having us.
1: When did you first become involved in football? We'll start with you, Joe.
2: For me, it was in high school, grade 11. I played quarterback for two years. I was the backup quarterback. Our coach's son was the primary quarterback. That's where I got my start. Chris? And for me,
0: loosely associated with it since I was a young kid going to football camps and whatnot. But organized football, I didn't start until grade 11 playing for the Nanaimo Redmen. I played there two years and then on to junior football with the Vancouver Island Sharks for two years.
1: And who were some of your favorite players growing up?
2: Early on as a kid, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr. We were from the States originally. All of my early football experiences were in the U.S. Quarterbacks, Unitas and Bart Starr. Later in life, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Roger Craig, Jerry Rice. Those were all players that I admired their play.
1: Joe, when did you come to Canada?
2: We've been here over 30 years. I think we came here in 89, 90, somewhere in there.
1: Chris, who were some of your favorite players growing up?
2: Being
0: born in the late 70s and then growing up for a good portion of my life in California, our family was a San Francisco 49er family. I grew up in the heyday of Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig. Those were the guys I looked up to. At what point did you decide to get into coaching?
2: Well, in 97, this is tenure in with EJFL, the Canadian Junior Football League, was ending. He'd played with the Vancouver Island Sharks, and I was on the board of Football Nanaimo at the time, had been for a while. And so we were pretty much packing it in as far as the football experience went. And I suggested, uh, what do you think of the Football Nanaimo will support it? A second junior Bantam team, the little guys, 11 to 13 years old, up in Parksville. There was a team already practicing up here in Parksville, but they were part of Football Nanaimo. But they practiced here, but played all the league games in, in Nanaimo and such. And the rest is history. He said, okay, let's give it a shot.
0: Chris? Yeah, very much. I was done with my playing career and kind of stuck in limbo on what to do next other than work life. He came to me one day and asked what I thought about coaching and I had never given it any previous thought, but I thought, hey, that would be a good thing for us to do to spend time together. And it sounds like fun. We both had football backgrounds and took off from there. Chris, how would you
1: describe your coaching style and were there any coaches who influenced you?
0: Coaches that influenced me, probably again, going back to the San Francisco 49er days, guys like Bill Walsh that were meticulous with their planning and influential in the new styles of offenses and schemes that they put out there that hadn't been necessarily seen before. Coaching style for me, probably changed over the years. In the beginning, I was probably more a player type coach. I still had a little bit of the player mentality in me, getting excited on the sideline, jumping up and down with a rah-rah type of guy. But as it moved on, that definitely faded a little bit, became more of a coaching coach and very much detail-oriented. wanted to know every detail of every practice and really wanted the players to know that we had their back. We believed in them, and we were going to train them to the best of their ability so that they could succeed when they went out there. Joe, what about you?
2: Well, for me, uh, one of the early influences was Vince Lombardi, the namesake for the Lombardi Trophy of the Super Bowl. As a kid coming up, he was the epitome of coaching for a lot of folks in the sport and kids watching the sport. His belief in his particular work ethic... And his approach to the fundamentals of the game always appealed to me. Later, Bill Walsh of the San Francisco 49ers, unquestionably one of the best coaches that changed the game with his approach to coaching. I always admired his demeanor and all the things that I read, the people I talked to that had interactions with him in the San Francisco Bay Area. I admired his approach to things. And uh, Chris, as a coach, I took from him and admired his aggressiveness, unpredictability and the fact that you never know when he's going to roll the dice and he's not afraid to roll the dice. That influenced me to a certain degree. I would say to describe myself, my coaching style, pretty steady, prepared, not prone to histrionics on the sideline, respectful of refs, come prepared, and all the work is done during the week on the field, Let's have some fun. Let's just do what what we can do. And that's all we can ask today. Give us your best today. That's it.
1: What's the best part of coaching?
0: A lot of people would probably say the winning side of it and all that sort of thing. But for me, it was when you realize your team has got it. And I'm not talking about their ability on the field. They're starting to understand what you're trying to get across to them. And they're starting to believe and what you're preaching to them. And you can see them becoming a team in every sense of the word, not just on the scoreboard. These guys all believe in each other. They all have each other's backs. That was always real special to me. There was always those moments in a practice or a game that I was looking for that you could go, all right, there it is. They've got it now. And now we're a team. That was the cool moments for me.
2: Yeah, I'll echo what Chris is saying there. During the coaching process, when you're coaching, it's that what he's describing, seeing the family come together. When a team transcends team and becomes a family, if you watch football today, you hear a lot of programs talking about family or we're family, but a lot of them don't really attain it. They're aspiring to it. But when you see a group, come together where everybody's got each other's backs and they're all pulling in unison, all the support people around like what we have in this community, that family transcendence, when it becomes that that's the really inspiring part of coaching post coaching afterwards. It's all these stories like what's in it takes a posse. It's all these people who've gone through the program and their reflections back on their lives and what the experience meant to them. From a coach's perspective, knowing that I was part of sharing that with them and helping to give them that experience, holy moly, that's rewarding.
1: Joe, can you fill us in a little bit more on the beginnings of football in the Parksville area, both at the club level and through Bellinas?
2: That first year, Chris and I coached with the junior Bantam team that already existed here. Mike Watson was the coach at the time. He was volunteering as the coach, and he was gracious enough to ask us to come along and coach with him. So we did. Then the year after that, formed the Bantam team, which would be the team of 14- and 15-year-olds. And Chris came up with the name that I thought was just an encapsulation of everything that was happening at the time. Posse, the Parksville Posse, didn't just apply to the team; it applied to the entire community that was getting behind this thing. It was astounding. It was amazing to watch. So many people got behind it. The first year with the first Bantam team, a large portion of which were first-year players and never played football before, they went all the way to the island championship game, lost against the team that ultimately became the island champions. The following year, the team went all the way and won the B.C. Provincial Championship, which put Parksville football on the map in the province. People became aware. The following year, and this would be the year of 2000, right at the turn of the century, I went to Bolinas and I pitched the concept of football in a box to the school. Give us nothing but the opportunity to provide chance for these young people to play. That's all we're asking. We'll bring the people, we'll bring the equipment, we'll bring the money, we'll bring the transportation, we'll provide everything, football in a box. All we're asking is for the opportunity. Thankfully, they gave us that opportunity, and almost 25 years later now, the bolinas Whalers football program is still touted throughout the province as one of the premier programs in the province, perennially in the playoff chase year after year.
1: Chris, how has it grown and how has the game changed in the last 25 years or so?
2: Well, grown,
0: especially on the island. I would hear it firsthand slash secondhand being in the states now where I live. I hear it through connections I have there, including my dad, of course. And uh, to see that a couple of years after I left serving as the first head coach there, they took it on and won a provincial championship for the school there as well with the head coach that took over for me. To see things established like the Bolinas-Whalers support society for the team, and then they have their locker rooms outside now just specifically for the football team. They have their meeting rooms. It's great to see that they're continuing to add more pieces to the puzzle over and over again, where we created it in 2000. And here we are all these years later and the program's still there when so many programs on the island have just come and gone for whatever reason. For people to continue to care about it and continue to run it the way they have says a lot, not only about the volunteers, but about the community supporting it. How has it evolved over the years football-wise? I coached a couple years here in Ohio as well. I think the athletes are more athletically gifted now than they were then. I think you have a lot more athletes on a given team. I think that coaches are probably a lot more involved with the schemes and the plays they run. It has definitely become more of a passing league offensively. When we did it, we ran the ball most of the time. So there's been those changes. There's more information regarding strength and conditioning than there was then. Just like any sport, you get more knowledge as the years go on in your program in your sport can only benefit from it
1: joe what makes a good football
0: player
2: coachability is from a coach's perspective the preeminent thing i would look for is selflessness that player who who gets the concept of selflessness to me that's the epitome of a good football player
0: chris same question I would agree with that, but I would also include work ethic. Football is a sport that asks a lot of you in all aspects, but it can give you so much more in return if you're willing to put the work in. You can get a lot from it that'll teach you a lot of lessons in life if you're willing to put in the work to get there.
1: And what made you decide to write the book, and why the title?
2: My kid, he pulled me out of retirement. I think we should write this story. That's what made two of us together approach this. It's a joint project. And It Takes a Posse is actually a serendipitous product of Down by Six. Down by Six is our origin story coming out next year. It Takes a Posse is a collection of interviews of people who've been through the program and their view of what the program meant to them and their lives and what they experienced. Down by six is Oceanside Youth Football, Bolinas-Whalers Football, told from the perspective of Chris and I, and also with a healthy helping of our methodology, our approach to coaching in it. That will be out next year. We conducted upwards of 60 interviews with people who've been through the program. Once we transcribed those interviews, the two of us looked at what we had and said, you know what, We have to put this out as a separate volume because it's so telltale, so descriptive of the experience and the value that people who've been through the programs place on their experience.
1: Chris, how much fun was this project to do with your dad?
0: There's no one else I'd rather do it with. Just like when we coached, I would have never, ever coached football had we not done it together. I know it was asking a ton of him. He was living a well-deserved retired life. And I come to him saying, all right, let's start this project that's going to take two or three years to complete. I know that was a big task. It was great in that aspect, but it was also great to hear all these former players, refs, coaches, parents, cheerleaders, moms involved, dads involved, all their stories of what the program meant to them. When you're coaching, you get caught up in the rat race of day after day you're just coaching and coaching and you know a lot about your players and the people involved, but when you hear these stories many years later, things that were going on in their lives that you really had no idea were going on or what the program did for them and how it saved certain aspects of their lives in many cases, or it gave them a relief from things that were going on at home or a community member who had never watched football before in their lives, but they come out to a game and they can all of a sudden appreciate what we're doing for these young men. It says a lot for why him and I got involved in the program to begin with, but why we wrote this story also.
1: And how long do you both plan to stay involved or very interested, at least in the game?
0: I don't coach the game anymore. Like I said, I coached a couple of years here in Ohio, but I don't coach on the field day to day anymore. But I also run a personal training company. So I spend a lot of time with athletes working with them in the weight room, refining their skills, getting them strong and fit for their given game. And that's not just in football, that's in every sport. Right now I'm just enjoying the process of writing the story. And I always love football. Football is at the core of Not only who I was as a player, but it's the core of our family. I can remember many Sundays sitting down watching football, even when I didn't understand what was going on as a kid, sitting there watching football. So football will always be in my blood. It's never going to stop with me.
2: Yeah, as far as personal involvement, once down by six is out and the marketing and promotional efforts behind it are done, I'm hoping to get back to my retirement (laughs) But like Chris, we're football keeners, so we'll always be fans, always watch them. The day that I turn the keys over to Sean Hines, who I gave the nod to as head coach after Chris departed for the States back in 2001. I told Sean at that point that I would be done. I said, I'll stick around for a year. I'll be around forever if you need questions answered or need a shoulder to cry on, whatever. But uh, I'll stick around for a year, manage the program for that period of time. But the best thing I can do for you is to walk away and let you take the reins. And I still think that was a great decision. The program has thrived in the years since, after, well, Sean was there and since. Dan Smith is still there. Jeremy Kahn's still there. Jim Lynch is still there. Rick Wilson is still there. These are folks who have been involved since almost day one of the program. And they're still there. They don't have kids in the program. They do it for the love of what they're creating and the experiences they're giving. And God bless them. It's in good hands.
1: Joe and Chris, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you again for the opportunity.
1: That's this edition of PQBeat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests we would like to hear from you, you'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com.
0: CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry, content you can trust from Black Press Media.